Hawks guard Trey Young took his moment. I mean, I've been owning the moment my whole life. That's just what I do. I'm not, not afraid of it. I've worked too hard to be afraid of the moment. Welcome to The Hawks Report, a podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm your host, Lauren Williams, and the Hawks have forced a sixth game of their first round series in the Eastern Conference playoffs against the Boston Celtics. Daniel, Daniel Salerson, did you ever have this on your bingo card? Be honest. I did not. I did not. I don't think I had this whole weekend on my bingo card. I think every game I've probably been wrong in predicting what they're going to do. So I'm going to stay away from that for game six. But the good news is there is a game six, and that's what we're going to talk about. Yeah, of course. And we're here to talk about that, including Trey Young's incredible 16-point fourth quarter. But if you are listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. As Daniel mentioned, we did not have the Hawks winning game five of this series in Boston, in Boston, on our bingo card. But here we are getting ready to embark on a game six at State Farm Arena. They had to move Janet Jackson, which I know for some people might be a bit of a, a travesty because they had their tickets and they were ready to go, but instead... We've got the Hawks on Thursday facing the Celtics in game six at State Farm Arena. So, of course, the fans that were in the arena for game three really powered this Hawks team. And I can only imagine what the energy will be like on Thursday when the Hawks return. But I think the big thing that we all saw in this game five was just how tough-minded this team was tonight. I mean, they were down 13 with, um, you know, 6-10 left in the game. And I remember looking at Michael Cunningham, our columnist, who was sitting beside me today, and uh, we were like, oh, this game's done. They can't, they can't get the stops. They're, they've been hanging around, but they just cannot get enough stops. And I remember starting my story <laughs> at that point. And then everything changed. So here's what Quinn Snyder had to say on this team's tough-mindedness and and how everyone stepped up to get this team a win in Game 5. 
we got contributions across the board um, in lots of different ways, whether it was O on the glass, JC coming up with some big plays, um, bogey all, all the way through Hunt's defense. So um, really a collective effort, and as much as anything, I think we were tough-minded um, in a very difficult game. It's tough to be down. You know, really through the whole game, you know, and, and just hang in there and hang in there and, you know, close the gap, have the lead extend, close the gap again, have the lead extend. Um, and we just didn't capitulate to that. Team Snip Snap is back at it again. Back at it again. <laughs> I mean, they were below 500, you know, coming into uh, Tuesday night's game five. But again, it was a very, very gritty win. And I honestly cannot take it lightly with I, I know that this Hawks team loves to play with uh, their fans emotions but you can't take it lightly just how gritty this win was um, to face a team that was up 3-1 in the series this is a winner go I mean all of it is winner go home at this point but you know most teams you you wonder how much fight they would have when they're facing a number two seed and you know thanks to Sarah Spencer for you know reminding us at the start of the series that you know a number seven seed hasn't beaten a number two seed since 2010 when the Spurs did it Uh, so yeah this was a really gritty win and thanks in part you have to give Trey Young a lot of credit for that for for that he scored you know the team's last 14 points over three minutes and 18 seconds in the game and he did that was a vintage Trey Young performance Daniel what'd you think I think you're absolutely right and as much as everyone loves to kind of give crap to Trey Young especially right now and the overrated talk I mean if Tuesday was a, a day to kind of I would say shut up the haters. I think that was what he did. I mean, he played every single second of that second half. On both ends of the floor. Both ends. On both ends of the floor. Made some very tough shots without DeJounte Murray. Again, Quinn was right. Everyone contributed to this game. But if it wasn't for Trey Young's unbelievable performance in that final 12 minutes, this team ain't playing a game six. And so it was really fun to see him it did remind me of the Sixer series, reminded me a little bit of the Knicks series um, a couple of years ago. So it was not only exciting, just fun to watch him do what he does. And he took the team on his back tonight. And, and this is what you expect to see out of your superstar and team leader. And I think tonight really showed uh, what he is uh, capable of doing and, and what he has done for quite some time with Atlanta. For sure. And if you think about it, it's almost like he has been kind of gearing up for a performance like this over his last three playoff games he scored 32 points had nine assists scored 35 points had 15 assists and then tonight 38 points 13 assists including the what ended up being the game winner a 30 foot three pointer from the Celtics logo off an inbound pass that had ended up going into the backcourt and I mean that's just the Trey Young that a lot of people, uh, I guess you could say, fell in love with back in that, you know, faded playoff run back in 2021 that it's just following the Hawks, that it's just followed the Hawks every year since. And 
Daniel, what would you say when you think about that fourth quarter, them being down 13, you know, with a little over six minutes to go, what would you say was the turning point that you were like, okay, maybe they might be able to pull this off? I don't know if there was an exact moment where I was like, okay, but it it seemed like for the entire game, Boston was in control, but they weren't entirely in control. They just could not really put them away. They go up eight, nine, hang around. Atlanta would get it within five, six. Boston would get it back to a double digit lead. Atlanta would come back. And even in that 14 point lead, it didn't really seem like it was enough for me to be like, all right, I think they, the Hawks still have another run in them. Um, but I, I think it was just in that the final couple of minutes, what Trey was able to do in those final 14 points that he had being able to get to the rim. I think the turnovers they were able to force on, on Boston, Boston, I think kind of just lost control offensively. Not I think they were playing to not lose instead of playing to win the game and kind of laid back a little bit thinking we got this and this Hawks team just didn't give up. So there wasn't really a specific play where I was like, all right, this is the turning point here. I just thought the Hawks really turned it up on both sides of the floor um, in those final few minutes to really, you know, put the game uh, in their hands. And again, when you give the, the Hawks a final possession there, I was like, of course, it's going to Trey. The question is, what is he doing? And I think everyone felt the same way. Go to the paint if you can. If not, he can hit one of those deep threes. And, and sure enough, he did. And also, like that Marcus Smart play where he fouled, where he made a big foul. I mean, what, what was he doing on that situation? There was just a lot of little things that the Celtics did at the end that just was so costly. Mm-hmm. And um, Including I saw a, a lot of Celtics fans. Yeah. Technical foul. Yeah, yeah I just it, it felt like a lot of people were saying, like, the Celtics lost this more than the Hawks won. But I'm going to give the Hawks credit. They really stepped up down the stretch, and I composure. thought it was a, a great performance for them. For sure. Yeah. They, they were that was big. very composed. And I think that's part of the that, – that, that's a huge – step in the right direction in terms of maturity because when you think about this team one of the reasons we call them team snip snap is that they're composed and they do everything right in one game and then it's almost like all of that just goes out the window and you're back at square one and you know everything just seems to go wrong and they don't quite know how to adjust out of that but I think the big thing is nobody can quite describe what Trey Young saw on that final play better than Trey Young. And I think we should hear from him on what he saw on that final play. Uh, I mean, we were down one, so I was really trying to get a layup. Uh, I was really trying to get into the paint, and uh, we had enough time to, that I could get the ball and dribble down and try to create something. And if someone helped, I was still had enough time to get somebody else the ball, too. So... But uh, but Jalen was backing up pretty pretty hard, and uh, I think he was expecting me to get try to go by him and get to the basket and either get a layup or a floater or, or try to draw a foul. So I could tell he was backing up, and then Marcus was sprinting up to trap. And then at that point, I looked up and it was only like three four seconds left, maybe two. So it was uh, I just had to trust in what I've done my whole life and just shoot with confidence. So Daniel, do you remember how much how many seconds Trey Young left on the clock after he hit that 30, 30 footer? It was, was it 1.8? 2.5. Yeah, so there was still technically a lot of time left in basketball world, especially when you're playing a team like the Celtics. And I think the thing that 
I guess, in watching this team, you know, for the last, how many games are we at now? Three? 87? 82 plus five now, 87. So yeah, 87 games. Over these last 87 games is that part of where their inconsistency is, is just how they play defense. And it's not to say that by any means they were consistent on the defensive end. I mean, that's part of the reason Boston got up to double digits, but... I think the big thing is they made the stop when they needed to. And who who was there to make that stop? I believe it was Clint Capella, who did not play the entire fourth quarter, by the way. But yeah, it's just, Quinn Snyder said it best. They made plays. And that's what they struggled to do in game four. So when you think about now, and we'll go into it after we take a break, really, really quickly, what would you need to see from the, the, the Hawks if, if, they can, if they were to be successful in game three or for them to be successful in, in game six? I think the biggest thing on Tuesday that I saw that was a huge problem early was stopping dribble penetration. I mean, the Celtics just were able to get to the paint at ease Jalen Brown was able to get down a hill so much for wide open lay-ins. And so I think that's got to be a huge focus and a way for them to hang in there for a game six. Um, again, we always talk about the starts of this game. And it wasn't a bad start tonight either. They were definitely in it um, throughout the entire game. It was a pretty solid start, actually. But defensively, they have to do a better job of, of stopping their guards and their ability to drive and get to the rim. Because I think that was a huge factor in why... Boston, not that they were in cruise control for a lot of the game, but a big reason why they were able to get a comfortable lead um, for most of it until that fourth quarter. For sure. And I think the other thing is is that they allowed – I think the big thing is they continued to take away the three from Boston. Boston only took 12 three-pointers. Or sorry, they only made 12 three-pointers. They didn't take three, 12 three-pointers. They only made 12 three-pointers. So – if they can continue to find ways to, I guess when they do pick their poison with defending Boston, they're picking the right one. So we'll continue to talk about that a little bit more after the break. This is the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I just wanted to take this time to thank all of you who subscribed to the AJC as well as AJC.com. You guys are what make all of this possible. If you haven't joined our community yet, 
we do have a special deal available right now for listeners to this podcast. You can get unlimited digital access to everything the AJC has to offer for the next three months for just 99 cents. That's all of our stories, our terrific e-paper, and all of our newsletters, including Bradley's Buzz from legendary columnist Mark Bradley. That's just 99 cents for the next three months, and you can take advantage of this offer by going to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast, so you always know what's really going on. Okay, so Quinn Snyder actually said it best, you know, to uh, in his media availability tonight, and he mentioned just making sure that with this Boston team, you know, he acknowledges that it's a pick-your-poison type of team. I mean, you've got guys like, I mean, we've talked about it this entire series, just how dynamic Boston is from all over the court offensively, and so... I think one of the big things that worked for them tonight is just that, yeah, they gave up 60 points in the paint, but but as we mentioned before the break, they only allowed the Celtics to take, or sorry, I keep saying take, they only allowed the Celtics to make 12 three-pointers, which, you know, that's, in my opinion, huge. I mean, Jason Tatum, because of, you know, the, the defense that this Hawks team had on him tonight, I, you know, he was one for 10 from three. Isn't that crazy? One for yeah, 10. Yeah, and, and you make a great point because I know I mentioned stopping dribble penetration, and obviously they don't want to allow that many points in the paint. But you made a great point about the emphasis on the three-point shot for Boston because that has absolutely killed Atlanta in some of the losses is how many threes they have allowed. And so I know Quinn would definitely take trading threes for twos and, and stopping them from scoring. So... As much as that's one of my keys, I definitely understand that them taking away the three is far more important than stopping them at the rim. And I think that's been a question that you asked him um, after one of the games is finding that balance between protecting the paint and balancing the perimeter. I think tonight may have been one of those things where he did both. As, as much as he probably doesn't want to allow 60 points in the paint, I think he'll take Boston shooting 12 of... Uh, I just had 38, my, 12 uh, of 38. 12 of 38 from three. Yeah, I... That's 31.6%. I mean, and you look at it, uh, I mean, Brown was really the only one who, you know, made over 50% of his shots from three. Everybody else was kind of shaky on on Tuesday night. Um, And then it just wasn't the most efficient night for for Jason Tatum. Eight of 21 from from the floor. And, and so it was really, you know, J- Jalen Brown kind of putting the Celtics on his back to try and, and lift them. He had 35 points on Tuesday night while while Jason Tatum had just, which is so weird to say, just 19, because that's still a lot of points, uh, but just 19. And, uh, I mean, Jason, Jason Tatum is a guy that averages 30 points a game this season. So that's that's huge. And the fact that they also you know, challenged Derek White a lot. He only had 18 points after burning the Hawks throughout this series. So if you are are forcing guys like Marcus Smart and Malcolm Brogdon and, uh, you know, Robert Williams, some of those guys to be the ones who have to to step up, then 
that's that means you're doing a pretty good job, I would like to say. Especially since, as we mentioned, White, Tatum, and Brown have just been absolute killers to the Hawks in this series. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, you had Horford that struggled tonight mm-hmm. only with three points, six boards. Marcus Smart was quiet, and he's been able to knock down some threes in the series. You saw Blake Griffin tonight for six minutes. <laughs> I was trying to figure out why I thought it was maybe Robert Williams was banged up, but he ended up playing alongside yeah. Blake for a little bit in that in that final six minutes. So I think Joe Mazzulla was just trying to figure out anything he could to scramble some things up, and Grant Williams didn't even play tonight. And so, yeah, I, I feel like it was just an odd night for Boston. You mentioned Jason Tatum just being inefficient, and it was Jalen Brown, but, I mean, I think he had tw- he had 20-plus points in that first half, so he really cooled down in quarters three and four. So as much as, you know, we pick on the Hawks defense, and rightfully so, they stepped up when it mattered the most. I think that's where you have to give them some credit. Absolutely. And I think uh, as we look to the future Thursday night, game six, I think the other big thing is that the Hawks just cannot settle in terms of energy level. With this Celtics team, you know, Quinn Snyder said it after the game. Trey Young said it after the game. This team knows that the Celtics are going to come out and try to shake them from the start. And they just have to make sure that they're the ones that, they're the aggressors. They're the ones that is setting the tone for the game. And I think that's just the key with this Hawks. They have to be the one that's outplaying this team physically for for 48 minutes and I think in in looking at the Hawks um and I said this to to I think it was Michael Cunningham who I was sitting beside at the game but I think at one point I I I said I think the key for this team is they just even if they're not necessarily getting all the stops they just have to make sure that they are continuously challenging everything and just trying to wear the Celtics down because I think at one point I, I it just seemed like the Hawks were the ones that just had all the energy toward the end of that fourth quarter and it was the Celtics that were always kind of on the heels uh, even though the even though the Hawks were even though the Celtics were making shots right it just seemed like on the defensive end they were always kind of chasing or being left behind, whereas at the beginning of the game, it was the Hawks that were getting blown by and and all of that stuff, which is why I think Jalen Brown was so successful so early. So the Hawks just have to make sure that, one, they come out with the right energy, but they make sure that they sustain it. (laughs) You know, they have to find that balance. You're absolutely right. And as much as the Hawks are facing elimination, I think all the pressure is on Boston because they're the two seed. The expectations on them is to, to go back to the, to the NBA Finals. And for the Hawks, this is... I know they think that they can win this series, and, and you never know. They, they possibly can, mm-hmm. but the, the, the odds are... Stacked against you know, them. Still in the Boston... Mm-hmm. Yeah, backs against the wall still because if you do win on Thursday, you have to go back to Boston for a Game 7. But they've shown that they could win at TD Garden like they did on Tuesday night. Obviously, Boston has shown that they can win inside State Farm Arena, which they did on Sunday. So I agree with you that the energy has to be there, but I feel like they need to play like there is no pressure on them. They have to put all the pressure on Boston to try to close this out. 
And I know one team that is thanking Atlanta <laughs> is Philly because now Joel Embiid and the Sixers get an extra two days of rest thanks to that. So um, I agree. I think if, if the Hawks come out with that energy, knowing that, hey, we have a shot at this. I mean, we, we can we can make things rather difficult for the defending Eastern Conference champions. I, I think they'll, especially with DeJounte Murray coming back and how fired up he was after the game and what he's meant to this team, it's going to be a lot of fun come Thursday night. Yeah, I was just going to say, I think that's the big thing, too, is that the Hawks get DeJounte Murray back. So now they just have to find the right balance of, one, DeJounte being able to sustain what he's been able to do in this playoff series, but also them continuing to get John Collins involved. I mean, Collins had 22 points, four for nine. I mean, what what have I said? Anytime John Collins makes two or more threes in a game, it bodes pretty well for this team. So if they can continue to get him, you know, knocking those shots down, if they can continue to get a similar performance out of Hunter that they had in game four, if they can get that, if they can continue getting good production from their bench. Um, you know, I think that's just the key. Those are the, the big keys that uh, I think really worked for the Hawks in, in game game five on Tuesday. In the words of Janet Jackson, who now will be moved to yep. Friday for John Collins, it was, what have you done for me lately? <laughs> and that John Collins certainly stepped up with that tonight. And you're right, though. It needs to be... I wouldn't say at this point it's consistent. You just need a, a game where it's everyone stepping in. Last game, it was DeAndre Hunter with the huge game. Collins has struggled all series long. Hunter, 13 points, and I didn't have a terrible no, game, but didn't but really it wasn't the 27 play the way he... points on. But to be fair, he was pretty tied up defensively. Oh, absolutely. I think that's what, and Quinn said it after the game. I think people forget that DeAndre Hunter is one of those guys that gets assigned to the best player on the other team a lot of the times during these games. And so it's a battle for him to have to keep that intensity and energy up, not only defensively, but offensively well. So it wasn't taking any way from him, but you haven't been able to have all of your guys click at one time. It's been one guy's played well, well, this guy really didn't step up. And the other night, it was DeAndre Hunter. Tonight, it was John Collins. If you can get John and DeAndre going together, and then Sadiq had a rough night the other night. He played pretty good off the bench um, tonight, Bogey, of course, stepped up for DeJounte in the starting lineup. If you can get all of them clicking at the right time, um, you, we could be seeing a game seven on Saturday. So it's going to be really exciting. And uh, I'm, I'm now pumped to uh, be joining you at State Farm Arena on Tuesday, on Thursday. Sorry, Janet. You can, uh, you'll can you perform on Friday, though. Yeah, I think, obviously, that's been just like the key for the Hawks this entire season is how can they get everybody going? <laughs> how can they get the people going? But... We'll be here to break down game six, believe it, game six on third or Friday morning um, or whenever it is that you guys listen to your podcast. And I mean, fingers crossed that, you know, we have a good game to talk about regardless of the result. Um, I just I think we're all just very excited that we're seeing competitive Hawks basketball again, regardless of what the end results are obviously wins are better than losses but as long as they fought till the end i think that's a, that's a step in the right direction but again i'm joined by daniel salerson i'm lauren williams and this is the hawks report from the atlanta journal constitution
ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com.